We were giving, of all people, Betty White a humanitarian award. And she's standing at a podium, which came up to her nose. <laughs> she's on tiptoes. She says to me, when I was a little girl, I didn't really understand what the Red Cross did. But when I saw that emblem, I would think hope and help is on its way. And she said, I can't believe I'm being honored by the institution that stands for hope and help. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey, everybody, it's Jason Patria, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast. This is the podcast for people just like you who are looking to own your career, turn up your volume, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Now, I really want to spend today having a mindset shift. Now, we are coming up to the end of the year, and this is a perfect time to self-reflect and look backwards all in service of looking forward. And for 2021, I want us to have a mindset shift. I want us to stop thinking of our careers in an analog world and start thinking about our careers in a digital world. Now, what do I mean by that? In the old days, we used to talk all about climbing a corporate ladder. It was all about starting at that bottom rung and climbing as fast as you could up to the top of the ladder. Now, here's the problem with the corporate ladder. It left a lot of people out. And it made every single thing a competition. And quite frankly, a ladder is linear, just like the analog world. Think about that. When you put the needle on a record, that's an analog way to listen to music. You put the needle on and you have to go through the tracks. But in a digital world where we're streaming, we move all over. I want to listen to some of that song. I click a button and move forward. I yell out to Alexa to hear a different album or a different uh, genre, and I can move all over. And so I want us to get away from thinking of our career as a ladder where we just have to climb up. And if someone's blocking us, we can't get somewhere or we have to throw them off or we're going to fall back down the ladder. I want us to think like a digital streaming world where our careers are really much more like a jungle gym or going through a matrixed lattice. Now, what do I mean by that? The best careers are careers where you've moved sideways, you've moved up, you've moved over, you've moved down in order to go up because a career path isn't a straight line and it's not a straight line going up. Your next career breakthrough might be going sideways. 
your career breakthrough might actually be going a little bit down in that jungle gym or that lattice in order to propel you up later in your career. Quite simply, your career is about a journey. And in a digital world, it's all about the collection of experiences. What have you learned? What do you know? What can you do? And who do you know that helps you get amazing work done? So let me give you a great example of this because I can think all the way back to the mid-90s earlier in my career where I still thought of it as a career ladder But in retrospect, I really realized it was really much more of a career lattice. Now, I was working at Universal, and I was in my first management job as a supervisor. I was working, managing people out in the operation, and I was doing all of those great things, and I was on that management track, right? It was all about how do I get from supervisor to manager, right, to director, to VP, and that career path, that ladder seemed really clear. But you know what I realized? There just simply wasn't a lot of opportunity because so many people that I had worked with there and worked under had simply worked there for years and weren't going anywhere. I quickly realized that if I wanted to learn more, have more fun, and ultimately be able to grow in the company, I had to look somewhere else. Now, my passion was all about learning and training, and I remember seeing a job opening, and it was for a management and organization development coordinator. It was working in a brand new group that was focused all about people development and talent management. Now, some people said to me, well, you're a supervisor. Why are you going to take a coordinator job? And I thought to myself, wow, I don't even view it this way because this is all about being able to learn something completely different. I'm going to move out of the operation and really learn about the back of house and the corporate side of business and really be able to take my skills in teaching people and training people and designing training to a whole nother level. And I still remember Even when I was just getting ready to accept the job, people telling me, what are you doing? Why are you going backwards in your career? You did all of these things. Well, good thing I didn't listen to them because it set me on my trajectory that I've been on for the past 25 years that is really helping people find their true brand voice and be able to bring their best authentic selves to work every single day. If I hadn't gone a little bit down, moved to the side, I would have never moved up to where I am today. And that's what I'm talking about, really letting go of this notion that we've got to climb the ladder and be on a race, to really being about digitally thinking about our career as experiences that you can move up, down, across, sideways, and learn. And there is no end point. There is no end point. I am super excited and blessed to have the guest that we have today on the podcast. It is Gail McGovern, who is the president and CEO of the American Red Cross. Now, I have been working with Gail for the past three years as a volunteer member of the National Diversity Advisory Council for the American Red Cross. And I have simply fallen in love with Gail in terms of her executive brand and her executive style. Now, speaking of moving in a lattice, 
Gail started her career as a computer programmer at AT&T, and she moved up the ranks to become the executive vice president for their consumer markets division, which made over $26 billion in business and managed over 40,000 employees. She later joined Fidelity Investments, where she served as the uh, president of their personal investments unit with over 10,000 employees and half a trillion dollars of assets under her management. She's also taught at the Harvard Business School. And for the past 20 years, she has been with the American Red Cross, where she's helped to transform this 139-year-old American institution into a 21st century emergency response and blood services organization. We'll be back in just a couple of moments with Gail McGovern. Hey, everyone. We're all excited to get out of 2020. I want 2021 to be the year that you achieve your next career breakthrough. As I mentioned earlier, this year we've launched the Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program. We have the next small group cohort starting in early January so that you can truly own your career in 2021. Now space is limited and we're currently taking applications. Now this program isn't for everyone, But if you're an A-plus player, ready to be known for your best authentic self and get the recognition you deserve, this program is for you. So if you'd like more information, visit us on leadwithyourbrand.com. And we're back. And I am super excited because I have an amazing leader with us today. This is Gail McGovern from the American Red Cross. Gail, how are you doing? I am doing well, considering everything that we're going through. And Jason, it's a privilege to be on your show. Oh, well, thank you, Gail. It's always such an honor to to listen to you and be inspired to you. And I know with my work on the National Diversity Advisory Council, I've just had a kind of peek behind the curtain to see just what an amazing executive you are, which is why I just had to have you on the show. Well, thank you so much for saying that, Jason. And thank you, especially for the time that you give to the American Red Cross. It is such a gift. And we are so very grateful for you and for your service in fulfilling our mission. Of course. Now, Gail, when you first meet people and they don't know what you do, how do you describe who you are and what you do? So if someone asks me what I do, I I simply say, I'm with the American Red Cross. And, you know, nine times out of 10, they will tell me a Red Cross story. I wear my Red Cross pin when I travel. So people ask me, are you with the Red Cross? And I've heard the most remarkable stories. Soldier came up to me and said, thank you for bringing me home because my father was on his deathbed and I got to see him before he passed. One woman came up to me and told me that her daughter had a complicated pregnancy and we gave her life-saving blood and she thanked me. I met somebody who actually his life was saved because an ordinary person performed CPR on him that he learned in a Red Cross training class. Wow. It's really quite extraordinary. Everybody seems to have a Red Cross story. I was coming back from one of the disasters that struck Louisiana and the TSA person said to me, you put my family and me in a shelter and we could not have gotten through this without you. So usually you just say Red Cross and people 
have a good idea of what you do. Having said that, they say that one in five people have been touched by the Red Cross in some way, but usually I don't meet anybody that knows the depth and breadth of everything that we do, but they have a personal story to share nonetheless. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I can just imagine the the amount of love you get. I mean, if you're getting thanked by TSA, I mean, that already puts you in a, in a class above the rest, Gail. <laughs> well, it didn't stop him from making me take my shoes off. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know, you know, this is the holiday season and this has been a year unlike anything. So tell me, you know, what's what's exciting, what's really happening right now at the Red Cross that our listeners should know about? Well, you are absolutely right. This has been a disaster season like none other that I've experienced. And those people that have been here for a while will tell you that it's the worst disaster season in recent history. We had 30 named storms and unprecedented wildfires throughout the West. We had a derecho in the Midwest. I mean, it just, it, it was brutal. It just did not stop. And because of the pandemic, we did our very best to put everyone who was impacted in hotels instead of large congregate shelters. And uh, we actually surpassed the 1.3 million mark of overnight stays. Oh, wow. It, it's been it's been surreal. And because the media is picking up on the pandemic and the election, it really didn't get much media attention, but it has really been quite a year. And as you know quite well, we've really doubled down on our diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. We had a robust DNI office to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we had a lot in place, but after the George Floyd killing, we really put a a full court press effort on it. Absolutely. And I mean, I know so much of that comes from the top down as leadership, right? As you said, you've been on this journey for a long time. And so the killing of George Floyd was a new awakening of how do we double down and do even more? You are absolutely right, Jason. And I have to say the National Diversity Advisory Council has really been prominent in all of our work, even before the current climate. And the advice and counsel and just the beautiful diversity of the council has been such a gift to the American Red Cross. And we're so grateful for the time you donate to to the cause. My pleasure. You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, Gail, is you have this amazing career that spans, you know, not only nonprofit, where we know you from the Red Cross, but going into telecommunications, finance. Tell us a little bit about your career and what are some of those key times that you would say were big career breakthroughs for you and set you up for the role you have today? So I I have had a varied career And a lot of it was good fortune and not necessarily planning, I have to say. I was at AT AT&T for 24 years and I held 15 different jobs. I intellectually curious. I like learning new things. That's probably a kind thing to say about myself, probably because I have a little (laughs) bit of APD. I don't know, but I really do enjoy learning new things and trying new jobs. So my career at AT AT&T was more like a lattice than a ladder. 
And uh, I went to Fidelity Investments because I felt like there wasn't much more I could do at AT AT&T and uh, learned a whole new set of skills there as well. But and then, of course, you know, I wound up at Harvard teaching marketing and then got the best job in the entire world, which is uh, joining the American Red Cross. So if you ask me what were some of the defining jobs and the breakthrough jobs, there's so many. Uh, you know, I, I learned all, you know, a lot along the way. But the three things that I think really had the biggest impact on me were literally I went from a computer programmer and for whatever reason, I was wired to be able to do this job. You know, I have, uh, I majored in quantitative sciences and I kind of analytical math, math geek and programming just was right up my alley. So I was really good at it and I don't brag very much, but I was really good at this. (laughs) (laughs) And then I get this promotion to supervise programmers and I was really bad at it. I mean, (laughs) I mean, really bad at it. I had, I was supervising the group that I had been in and these are kind of my buddies. So, you know, I, I think about that and, you know, there weren't a lot of women in the workforce. So I just didn't know how to boss people around. I, and so I, I'd say, Hey, if it isn't too much trouble, would you mind working on this? And they'd go, it is a lot of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I was absolutely in failure mode. I really was. And I had this mentor and I guess he saw something. And what he did was he kept giving me every single new piece of work that was coming through the, the IT group. And I was drowning. And finally, I stormed into his office like a two year old. And I said, this isn't fair. You're giving me all the work. And he nodded and he goes, yeah, I bet you feel like you have the work of 10 people. And I said, yeah, I have the work of 10 people. And he said, well, you have 10 people. So why don't you give them the work? (laughs) 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 So I learned how to delegate very, very quickly after that. You know, I started thinking about it. I got a little bit angry and thought, yeah, they should be doing the work. So Uh, I figured out how to delegate very, very quickly. And that was a defining moment or because if he hadn't done that, who knows what would have happened to me. So that, that was one. Um, The other is I, um, I got my MBA late in life. So I, I, I knew theoretical mathematics, but not really practical applied anything. So uh, I got my MBA while I was at AT AT&T, one of these executive programs. And um, it kind of changed my life because I understood the language of business. It enabled me to get my very first P&L job, which was a defining moment for me. So I would say that was another big turning point because I was starting to run a piece of the business. And, you know, that made a difference. And then also I became officer. That was a defining moment in my career too. And the way that happened was there was an opening for a job that looked like it was Herculean. I mean, the odds of getting it done right were pretty minuscule. We had assigned numbers, assigned telephone numbers for 800 service. So if you had 1-800-Flowers, for example, mm-hmm. you could move your phone number to anybody else because the first three digits after the 800 were defined. 
and the FCC insisted that we made the numbers portable, we had 70% market share and we had nowhere to go but down. Mm. Nobody would take the job. So finally, they approached me and asked me if I would take it promotionally. They couldn't find anyone to take it laterally. (laughs) (laughs) I said, okay, it sounded interesting. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll learn something from this. So that was my first job as an officer. And we wound up losing two share points. The the pundits and all the analysts said we were going to lose 10. So it kind of propelled my career after that. So the lesson I learned was take the job nobody wants. (laughs) (laughs) And Gail, what convinced you to actually take that job? I mean, I know they were dangling the promotion, but what made you think that you could conquer that? You know, that is such a great question, Jason. And what's interesting about it is um, I didn't take it for the promotion. It just seemed almost impossible. And I wanted to see if I could do it. I know that sounds a little warped. It's also part of the reason why I joined the Red Cross. I mean, the Red Cross was struggling a bit and we had eight CEOs in five years. And when I got the call, I mean, it's such a storied, beautiful, treasured institution that I thought this could really be the capstone of my career. But I also was drawn to it because it seemed to have so many problems. And I thought, wow, if I could make it even a little bit better, it would be incredible. So I I don't know, maybe it's a crazy part of me, but I kind (laughs) of like jumping in where there's a fire. And I've never regretted a moment of it since. So it's, uh, it's been really quite a privilege. Well, thank you for jumping in. Gail, I want to go back because you made this great comment that your career has been more like a lattice than a ladder. Tell us a little bit about that because I feel like everyone's trained, like we've got to climb up the ladder. What What do you mean by the lattice piece? You know, it's funny. I never thought to myself, wow, I could run a piece of this business. I just, I didn't have that thought. I, I'd be attracted to jobs that were interesting, that or had a boss that I could learn from. And that was really what set me on this lattice thing. I was one of the youngest district managers at AT AT&T because I was coming up the ranks of the programming staff, you know, the computer programming staff. And I hit a wall. I thought, you know, I... If I do this for the rest of my career, I'm not going to learn anything. I know how to supervise programmers. And I know how to supervise the supervisors of programmers. So I just felt like I was getting stale. And I started bugging this mentor that I had. You know, I said, I, I want to go to sales. <laughs> and he was like, but you've never sold anything. And I kept saying, yeah, I know. But I want to understand why customers buy things from us. I, I know I know COBOL, I know Fortran, I know machine language, I know, you know, all that stuff. I just, I want to learn something else. And I nagged this poor guy. Every time I'd run into him, I'd go, can I go to sales now? Can I go to sales now? And he, at one point he said to me, have you sold anything? And I said, Girl Scout cookies. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he just thought, all right, she's never going to go away. I am very good at nagging. It is a core competency. And so he said, okay. And he gave me this huge branch in Manhattan. It was one of the largest sales branches. 
And I think his I, I think he was thinking here, choke on this. And um, <laughs> it was vastly different than anything I had ever done before. I mean, programmers, you give them a laptop or back then you give them a computer terminal and they their heads down. They, you know, it, the only time they'll pick their heads up is like if there's a power outage. They're very easy to manage. They have no emotional highs and lows. They're super smart. You know, salespeople, you know, they every time they go out to see a customer, they think they're going to get a win. And they don't all the time. In fact, you know, even the great ones probably get 30% yeses. And so they come out feeling great. They come home and they're like a wreck and you have to pump them up and do a lot of cheerleading. And it was different and fun, really fun. I loved talking to customers. It was, it was awesome. So just having that shift in career made me very hungry to do it again. So every two years or so, I would, you know, tell my boss I'd really be interested in doing something else. And I had so many lateral jobs during that period of growth you know, one after another, after another, that when I finally got my first P&L job, I was actually one of the older division managers. So I had done all this, you know, these lateral moves. And when I got my first P&L, I realized there wasn't one thing on that, that income statement that I didn't have familiarity with because I had, I had been learning the business all along. And if, if you're jazzed by, learning new things, lateral moves are fine. I mean, if that's what turns you on and you're there to grow, you know, intellectually, the it's a really good way to do it. And you, if you are sitting in one place and waiting for a promotion, and I'm saying this retrospectively, you may not get it. Mm-hmm. If you refuse to move until you're promoted, you may not ever move. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So, and you know, this, this works in big companies. There are lots of interesting jobs. Like I said, I have 15 different jobs in 24 years. So, so I'm glad I did the lattice thing, even though it wasn't deliberate. I mean, I did not sit down and have a life plan or a career plan. It it wasn't deliberate. It was the desire to grow and happenstance, honestly. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, really your plan was you, you still want to stay curious. You still want (laughs) to, to learn, right. You don't want to be, be bored. And of course, you know, let's I'll, I'll toot your horn for you because you left AT&T running a $26 billion business with like 40,000 employees under you. Right. So guess you learned a little bit about that delegation from the, (laughs) from your first manager, right? (laughs) (laughs) So Gail, talk to me a little bit about your executive brand. How would you describe that? And I know you've told me in the past, like you don't, you don't use the term brand, but maybe your executive style, how do you describe that? You know, I'll I'll tell you a few things. First of all, I, I think that if you ask somebody, what's it like working for me? They would say she's very smart. She's nice. And, um, she's also tough. Um, and, and the smart thing I, I, I have to tell you, when you look at my leadership team, I'm probably in the bottom quartile of that team. What makes me smart is I pick great people and I learn from them and they're diverse thinkers. I mean, you know, you, you come to one of my, my staff meetings and ideas are flying all over the place 
and everyone comes to a problem with a different perspective. So you can throw something in the middle of my table and that team will solve it collectively because, you know, one is strategic, one is tactical, one is operational, one is an optimist, one is a pessimist. I mean, they're just such diverse thinkers. And the smart ideas come from the, the least likely places. You know, my, my CFO is a brilliant strategist. He's like the de facto chief strategy officer at the American Red Cross. So, you know, I'm smart at picking good people. I set really high goals and I am kind if people can't make them. You know, I think that's how I'd be described. I also will tell you that even though the business of the Red Cross is very serious and very often heartbreaking and life-saving, and you look in the eyes of people who have lost everything and you think you're never going to recover from it yourself. And, you know, there, there are people that are opening up their veins to save the life of the stranger. I mean, it's serious business and it can be very sad. Having said that, I wind up having a belly laugh every single day. I mean, I just, uh, you know, humor can diffuse a lot of tension. I am an optimist by nature, so I usually can have a, a good laugh every single day. We recently hired a new head of marketing and communications. And while we were searching, we had uh, interims in there, one for marketing, one for comms. When we hired the new person, one of the interims said to me, it was such a joy being at your, your leadership table. She said, I had no idea. And I said, what do you mean? She said, it's this strange combination of gravity because what we're doing is grave work and levity. And I, I thought about that and, you know, we tease each other. We, you know, and I thought about that and I said, that really does point out who we are. I mean, and, and, you know, I, I wake up in the morning and I don't say, who am I going to be at work today? Cause I just bring myself there. I'm the same person at work. I'm the same person at play. I just, I can't change personalities. It's too schizophrenic. I don't think I could handle it. So I just sort of bring myself to work. And, you know, when I think about, well, what is my day going to be like, or how am I going to make decisions? I always think, is it good for the mission? Is going to make our donors proud? And is it good for our people? And it, if I can pass that, that three steps, then I know I'm doing good work. Absolutely. And Gail, I love that you have that filter because it really grounds you. And I know every quarter when I hear your update on the organization, you're always talking about it in, in, in those terms. Talk to me a little bit about the duality of being nice and tough at the same time. <laughs> you know, I, I think of myself as being a kind person. So I'm kind of naturally nice. And, and when I pick people, I always pick people who are super smart and nice. And those two in combination, you can, you can do anything with somebody who's super smart and nice. And if you, you think about it, people that are super smart and mean, and there are people like that, mm -hmm. they get you into more trouble than any other combination because they... They can be manipulative, 
They could be self-centered. So I, I really, I, I hire for smart and nice. I mean, and you'll, you, if you ask a red crosser who's in a leadership position, they probably will repeat that because I say it all the time. I go hire people that are smart, hire people that are nice. And PS, you're born with your IQ. And, you know, by kindergarten, you can figure out if somebody's going to be nice or not. So it, it's not that hard to pick them out. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and the tough part, you know, I, I do set high expectations. You know, my whole team does. We, we set goals that are, you know, are, are aspirational. If you have somebody who is really smart and is doing a great job and misses a goal, I, I don't even bother pointing it out. I know that it's probably worse on them than it is on me because, you know, I've got a team that likes to, to perform. But, you know, if, if I wind up with the staffing problem, which is unusual because I'm really careful, you know, I'll deal with it, even though it's not something I enjoy doing and I only do it rarely. But I, I've learned over time, it's better to limp along with the vacancy than to hire for expediency because then you have to deal with it. But if I'm in a position where I have to deal with it, I can deal with it. And, uh, Honestly, I think it's surprising sometimes to people because I I do have that part of me because I care so deeply about the mission. You know, we have to have the best people. So it's rare that I have to do things like that, but you know, nevertheless, I I will do them if necessary. Mm-hmm. And Gail, you you talked about bringing your best authentic self to work every single day, right? And 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 you can't really be something different at work than you are at home. With that in mind, what's something as you look back over your career that you've consciously evolved to be a better version of your authentic self? Wow, that's a great question. You know, there's just been times where I, I've been in a situation where a boss would have asked, asked me a question and I knew they wanted an honest answer, but on some level, they didn't want to hear it. <laughs> and and I, I'm sure you can relate to what I'm saying. <laughs> human nature, it's like, so how was that? Was that good? And you, you know they want to say you they want you to say, yeah, it was great. I'm always the one that will kind of give unfiltered, honest feedback if asked. And you know, I look, if I have a boss and I think they're going in the wrong direction, I will point it out. I won't do it over and over again. But I, I make the way I feel known pretty readily, particularly if I'm, I'm asked. And I've been in situations where it's been uncomfortable, but, you know, I, I do that. I, I try to make decisions what, for what is best for, in this case, the American Red Cross. And I'm hoping that I set a tone where people think I'm being ridiculous or making a mistake. They tell me. And, you know, the other thing is I feel like I readily, I do make mistakes and I readily admit it and I readily course correct or else, you know, I've, I've just seen great leaders, you know, not know how to admit they make a mistake and you can really get yourself in trouble if you keep, you know, following a strategy that's not working. Absolutely. And I guess that's really a little bit of nice and tough working together, right? <laughs> exactly. So, Gail, tell me, um, when we're talking about 
leadership brands and the like, what is your favorite consumer brand? What is it that Gail cannot live without? Well, my favorite brand is the American Red Cross. I mean, (laughs) it's just, it's such an amazing brand. I mean, I knew that when I started and it's, you know, if you don't mind me riffing on it, it's, it's the most well-known recognized brand in the world behind one. Do you want to guess what it is? Oh, I know I've seen it on a chart before, but I can't even, I can't even think. Tell us. Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that people can't live without. So the thing about the American Red Cross is, you know, back when we started this conversation, is not everybody knows everything that we do. I distinctly remember this moment where we were giving, of all people, Betty White, a humanitarian award. She had done wonderful things with the Red Cross. And she comes up to hear on me. And you know, (laughs) I'm pretty small myself. So I think she doesn't hit five feet. And she was wearing flats and she came up and this this award was kind of heavy. It was a glass piece and she took it and held it. And she's standing at a podium, which came up to her nose. <laughs> she's on tiptoes. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I, I didn't even think she was going to make comments, but she wanted to. And she said, when I was a little girl, I didn't really understand what the Red Cross did. But when I saw that emblem, I would think hope and help is on its way. And she said, I can't believe I'm being honored by the institution that stands for hope and help. And when she said that, it just, I'll never forget it because it really does capture what the common person thinks. Mm -hmm. They may not be able to recite, you know, the four prongs of her mission, but they know when we show up that hope and help is on the way. And it's such a powerful brand. And because of that, you feel a deeper obligation to really stick with it. It is my favorite brand. In terms of what I can't live without day to day, if you're looking for that, I'm like addicted to Dove's chocolate. (laughs) 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 If someone takes that away from me, I probably would be ornery. Well, it's the perfect season for Dove chocolate. (laughs) Gail, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? I am such the wrong person to ask this question. First of all, I'm good at some things, but there's some things I'm really bad at. And one of them is driving. I'm like... (laughs) I'm like a classic New Yorker. I mean, I have spatial relations problems. I can't navigate myself at all. It's a little scary that if it weren't for GPS, I'd probably still be lost out there somewhere. Can't believe I'm telling you this, but my team actually bought these metallic stickers that you can put on your car that say student driver. I went outside to get my car and there were like dozens of them all over the car. (laughs) I was running late. And so I just jumped in the car. I was laughing my head off and I'm driving home with all these on my car and everyone was giving me a wide berth. It was really something. So, and, oh, and the other thing is for the longest time, I kept referring to 
this is years ago, he kept referring to our car as the Oldsmobile. You know, I'll take the Oldsmobile to work. And finally, my husband said, that's a Buick. (laughs) (laughs) So I am so not a car person. But if you made me pick, I would say whatever it is, it would be (laughs) self-driving so that I wouldn't have to drive. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, note to self. Gail should not be in any Red Cross vehicles in the driveway. Oh, they would never let me do that. I mean, I, <laughs> I drive a mile to work, and that's that's about all I can. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gail, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Well, a couple of things. First of all, I've helped a lot of young people try to manage their careers. Because when I was at Harvard, my students would come in very frequently. What I I see is that young people are over planning. They really are. You know, first I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And they come up with, you know, it's kind of this new, it's in vogue, a life plan. And life is an off-road adventure, Jason. It's not a plan. There's a Yiddish expression that roughly translates into man plans and God laughs. Life (laughs) is going to throw you a curveball. It really is. I mean, look at COVID. We didn't plan for that. I mean, on a personal basis, I didn't plan to get breast cancer twice. I mean, it just, life is going to throw you a curveball. And those off-road adventures, you know, if you embrace them and learn to love them, you're going to be a heck of a lot stronger as a result. So, you know, this over-planning is going to set you up for disappointment, I think. I'm not saying, you know, don't think ahead at all. I mean, clearly you need to, but you've really got to be flexible. The other piece of advice is the lattice versus ladder. You know, you just want to keep growing and learning and you will then get promoted. You know, the smarter you get, the the more likely you will get promoted. And, you know, the other thing I would say is you have to embrace change. You, the world is changing, and my advice is embrace change, because if you don't, the world will pass you by. Everything is changing around us, and it's glorious. It's changing for the best, really. So, uh, you know, I would I would give that advice. And then the other thing is, when you become a supervisor, pick the best people. That is the secret to any success. It really is. Surround yourself with people who are smarter than you are. It's scary the first time you do it because you think, I have to be the smartest person in the room. I'm the boss. That is not the way you manage your life. You want to be surrounded with the smartest, nicest people that you can possibly find. So those are are my pieces of advice. And, you know, the other thing is find yourself a mentor. I mean, you don't go to the supermarket to find one, (laughs) you know, but, you know, just get advice from people, ask people for advice and they love giving advice. Everybody loves giving advice. So if there's someone you admire, just say, hey, you know, don't, don't say, can you help me plan my career? Just say, can you tell me how you got where you are? Because everyone loves talking about things like that. And it, and you'll learn, you'll learn a lot from it. Absolutely. Well, Gail, thank you so much for all of your amazing advice and more importantly, the hope and the health that you bring to us all. Um, as we, as we look at the holiday season, how can people be involved in the American Red Cross? 
I was hoping you were going to ask that because if you didn't, I was going to just stick in a shameless plug. (laughs) 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 But, you know, particularly this time of year, we need three things. We need volunteers. We need blood donors. And we need financial support. And um, volunteers are the lifeblood of the American Red Cross. I mean, we have 300,000 volunteers and 19,000 employees. So we could not do what we do if it weren't for the generosity of the people like yourself that gives us time. It's an amazing gift. And blood, well, particularly around the holidays, people get caught up. They don't think about making blood donations. We always run shortages this time of year. And that is the gift of life. It's You will feel so great after you donate blood. It's unbelievable. You talk to people that have donated and they just feel righteous. And they are. It's an amazing feeling. You know, this time of year, we had a lot of disasters this year. We always can use financial support. We're not a government agency. Everything we do is because of the generosity of our donors. Any gift of any size is always deeply appreciated as well. So thank you for asking that, Jason. It's I really appreciate it. And of course, people can find out more at redcross.org. Thank you, Gail. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Terrific. Thanks. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. And we're back. Didn't you just love listening to Gail McGovern? I am so inspired by Gail as the CEO of the American Red Cross. There were so many nuggets there, but you know what really stood out to me is this whole notion that you can't be driven by just getting ahead. It's not just about titles and promotions. It's really all about looking for experiences that are going to stretch you and grow your skills and help grow your mind. You always need to be looking out on the horizon and have sort of an endpoint in mind, but you can't be a slave to that plan. You have to be on the lookout for great opportunities, or quite simply, you're going to miss out on those experiences and opportunities that create a career, not just a job. Well, I have enjoyed hanging out with you today and hanging out with you all year. Now, this is the holiday season, so in the spirit of giving, I want to encourage you to give to all of those amazing nonprofits that need our help this year and are struggling so much to take care of everyone who's been impacted by COVID-19 and the results of this horrific pandemic. Now, if you've enjoyed the show, go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything. And of course, I'd love for you to leave a comment and rate the show. 
Make sure to follow me on all social media platforms at Jason Patria. And make sure you follow me on LinkedIn so you get the latest on how to lead with your brand. And remember, in your career, don't be a commodity like coffee. Be a super premium brand just like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.